Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 194. In this episode, we chat about HubSpot forms, sales qualified leads, plus tips for improving your Google My Business listing. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot's tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search to Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm happy and healthy and happy to be so. That's right. And this episode is proudly brought to you by Tesla. And we're looking forward to driving the new Tesla Cybertruck, aren't we, Craig? We are. Now, what's our growth thought of the week, Craig? The HubSpot user group in Sydney was on last week. And yes. thanks to Moby, Tash and Tony for organizing an excellent event. You know, they the had super over, hug. The super hug. They had over 300... Registered. 50 people registered. More than 100 people turned out on the night. And by the way, this was a rainy night in Sydney. That's right. And of course, as people listening uh, now would know, the coronavirus panic is in full swing. So I thought it was a very good turnout and it was a very good event. However, I have a real bugbear. What virus have you caught, Craig? I've caught the TikTok virus because Moby <laughs> did a whole session on TikTok at the user group and I was like oh what's this oh, I keep hearing about TikTok no I'm going to avoid it because you know I've, I'm now not on Facebook I'm very rarely on Instagram I'm not on Twitter I'm very rarely on LinkedIn right I'm just trying to avoid distractions okay so then I thought oh TikTok oh look I'll check it out so I installed it and I sent you screenshots of my usage. Oh my goodness, I'm spending hours on this stupid damn network watching silly dance videos and oh my goodness. And dogs. And dogs, <laughs> cute dogs and puppies and oh my goodness. I've got a beef. You've been sucked into that, I've been sucked into the TikTok uh, vortex and uh, Moby, um, you have a lot to answer for. <laughs> I blame That's Moby. right. I blame Moby. Now, inbound 2020, Craig, is not that far away. We're talking about um, mid-August. Well, that's right. And well, speaking of coronavirus fears, for people who are wary of registering for an event that may not proceed, yes. and they might think, well, why would I register? You know, I'll wait and see. So you you were showing me this earlier that HubSpot's actually covered this, haven't they? That's right. So they're saying you can register risk-free and they've extended their full refund policy till the 1st of June, where you can get a 100% refund. Anytime after that, I think it's 50%. But it's interesting. So they're giving people the opportunity to actually do that and have the ability to get a refund in this very uncertain time that we're living in. Yeah, I think, I th- well, and I just think it's a smart move, right? Because uh, you might say, well, why would I bother? It's like, well, no, lock it in, get your ticket, get the, the special pricing. early bird pricing, and just know that it is just free. Uh, if circumstances changes and the event can't go ahead still because coronavirus spreads further, then yeah, you get your money back. So I think it's a good move. And uh, yeah, take advantage of it if you're intending to go. That's right. Now, I want to say thank you to everyone who's connected with us on LinkedIn. Thank you to Justin who just connected with us and sent us some lovely words. And I just encourage you to keep connecting with us and send us a note. We'd love to hear from you guys. And you know what I'm finding that's interesting? There There are a few people that have connected with us that don't live that far away from us. And we've actually met them for coffee. We're going to meet some of them for coffee. So there you go. It's a small world after all. That's right, Craig. Hey, you know, I'm um, changing the subject entirely. One of my uh, uh, customers, you know, they were referring to this new tool they're using called Spam Monkey. Yeah, I haven't heard of Spam Monkey. Yeah, so I'm going, what is this tool? They go, oh, yeah, Spam Monkey. We've just loaded up the the automation sequence. <laughs> it's working a treat. I'm going, what's Spam Monkey? They're talking about MailChimp. <laughs> 
finally worked it out. I'll mail him. Like, and they weren't doing it. They weren't saying it as a joke. They were just calling it spam monkey. I don't know. It was, anyway, there's could, could bad be a, branding going could on Could be there. a branding opportunity right there. <laughs> Have you got the domain spammonkey.com, Craig? I haven't. I'd better jump on right on that. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is some really useful reports to do with forms. Now, I only discovered this recently because I was creating some new forms and I went, oh, hang on. I can see some new things here. And it's really interesting. It's got the what looks like a funnel report, which says about step completion. So, it talks about the page visits, the visits that actually saw the form, and then the people that completed the form, and then the people that submitted the form, or so, so interacted and then submitted it. So, some great analytics there just to understand what is going on. The other one is, is it a new contact or is it existing contacts? That's got a nice little pie chart there. And the next thing, which I think we spoke about before, is if you've got the form of multiple pages, is actually understanding which pages have the form, what were the views, submissions, and the conversion rate. Another great one. And then the last one is the submissions by source for that form. Really fantastic analytics to really understand what is going on with your forms. This was really good. And especially the one you mentioned at the start, the step completion. Sure, you can see the con- uh, conversion rate in terms of how many people visited the page it was on versus submitting the form. But to see how many people started the form versus how many completed it, i.e. who interacted with it versus actually completed the submission, that's really powerful. You know, one thing I did like, the visit, the the part where it says visible on screen. So, for example, if your form is right at the bottom of the page, that is not visible on the screen until people get to it. So, it's a really good indication to go, well, are people actually getting to that form if it is buried right at the bottom? Maybe you get rid of it. Maybe do a slide-in form as you scroll down the page for that to slide in. So, just a different kind of form might make all the difference in this scenario. That's really good. You know, I wanted to say... Here's what I really love about catching up with you each week, Ian, because that particular image, and we've got a screenshot in the show notes, by the way, of a form showing this uh, interactions versus submissions. Every week, we, you know, we get together, we're planning out the show, and you'll say, oh, have you seen this? And I'll look over and go, no. Oh, cool. And I'll, and I'll sometimes do the same too. I love those moments when you go, oh, cool. That's something new. And, you know, this is, oh, this is the part of, the joy of SaaS software, isn't it? There's always some right. new feature coming out. And if you rely on that little um, orange notification bell at the top right, you miss half the stuff. They're the, they're the highlights of the key big things. But exactly. These things, I don't know. There there are some people nodding along with us on this show going, oh, yes, yeah, those little things, I love that. And then there's other people going, what are these guys talking about <laughs> about some <laughs> tiny little graph on a report? We don't care. I, mean, I love these little things. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And we wanted to highlight here about HubSpot life cycle stages. Now, people often get confused with lead statuses, life cycle stages. So, we just want to bring it back so we can understand, especially when we're talking about sales qualified leads. 
Yes, and we've shared about this on the show many times and there's been many blog posts by HubSpot put out about it and I was prompted by a recent one where they did reviewing this subject again because it comes up every time. So life cycle stages, we're not going to go through all of them, but people say, oh, can we create our own life cycle stages? No, you can't. They're all set by HubSpot. That's a good thing. Follow their process. It's best practice in a way, except for one little thing I'm going to touch on. If you want to have your own optional uh, fields, you that lead status uh, field, yes. secondary state. However, what you've highlighted, one of the life cycle stages, you know, when you're going through subscriber lead, marketing qualified lead, sales qualified lead, before it goes to opportunity, customer, etc. Sales qualified lead. There's two ways you can interpret it. In our experience working with clients. So one, or two options. One option is the one that HubSpot talks about, and that is a sales qualified lead has normally been worked out by marketing in a way, yep. based on behavior to say, this contact is ready to be contacted by sales. I sales qualified lead, they've been qualified to talk to sales. Correct. We find most of our clients don't like that definition. And instead, they want to say it's been qualified by sales as a fit for further progress. So that is a very good point. Craig. It's a good distinction, right? Yes. It's did marketing qualify it for sales or did sales look at it and say, yes, we've qualified it. Now you might say, well, how did sales get it in the first place if it wasn't qualified to give it to them? Well, it depends on the business. Now, if you've got a business that is not swimming in leads, sales will jump on every Everything. single lead that comes in, right? This is reality. It's not the ideal, but this is the the reality. They'll look at them and quite often they'll call them or contact them. They'll get straight on it. And as we know, the quicker you respond and talk to them and then they'll qualify them. They'll say, yes, this is sales qualified and then try to push them to opportunity or a deal. The timing might not be right for a, a deal. So maybe they don't turn them into opportunity yet, but that's the distinction. So in terms of this segment, sales feature of the week, I think it's really sales process of the week. This kind of definition is agreed when sales and marketing get together and talk. And you know what? You've highlighted really well that this becomes a problem when people have too many leads and they're now trying to figure out how do I qualify that lead better? And then they start talking. They really get into understanding what is a marketing qualified lead and what is a sales qualified lead. So it's really important. I think get that language sorted out and make sure everybody across the sales and the marketing teams and even management know what you're talking about because it just helps clear the air and understand what's going on. So if you have a common understanding, it helps everything in the business. All right, what's our HubSpot Extra of the Week, Craig? Well, continuing with our topic Form of forms, uh, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd clarify because we've had uh, this question from clients. There's progressive form fields and then there's dependent form fields. And quite often clients interchange them. They say, oh, can we have um, these progressive fields? So, for example, we want a progressive field that if they choose a country, then it shows the state drop down. And we're like, oh, hang on. No, that's actually a dependent form field. So I thought it was worth just clarifying what they are. So progressive form field, they're normally fields when you can say, oh, if this field has been filled out previously by the contact, next time they see the form, take that particular field out and show them a new field. So a good example might be if they've filled out, oh, here's the company I work for. Next time you show the form, don't show that field again. Show another one like what's the company size or something like that. Or maybe what department do you work What in? department are you in? Yeah. Good example. That's progressive. Dependent is actually the form is there. And if they fill out it 
particular for- field, it shows another field or hides a field. So That's right. And you can even do conditioning on there. So you could say if they answer uh, this particular answer, so maybe they ask you, are you this kind of persona, right? And you say, and you select this particular one, then you could say, here's the next field I want to show based on that answer. So that is the power of dependent fields. Deeply powerful, Ian. That's right. Deeply powerful, Craig. Now, what's our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig? Well, HubSpot form options. Worth reviewing that because remember there used to be a, a an option for- Not me, clear this. No, not the not me, but the the cookie, the cookie-less yes, option. Yes, the cookie-less option. Yeah, which we'd put on. So, a typical example, remember you had the example last week, you know, you've got an open house, some the That's sales right. reps yes. there with an iPad, or you're at a trade show, you've got the iPad and you've got the form and you're just refreshing it each time, Correct. entering in people's details. That's when you want the cookie-less option. Well, now, I'll we'll put in a screenshot, this is the field that you should tick Enable. on, which is always create contact for new email address. The gotcha is... They've kind of changed the language around that a bit. It used mm. to be a different label. Correct. So, you might come into this and go, oh, this is a new field. No, no. Where's that old one I wanted? It's oh. it's it's the old bastard's new. Yes. Anyway, so that's the gotcha. However, there's a real workaround because this actually happened to us. I had a client at a trade show uh, doing an event. They had more than 200 contacts fill out this form. Okay, so, of course, what happened it was all one contact. Yes. And so <laughs> then we're looking, oh, right, this kind of, oh, the email address. You can see the history oh, of the email no. address. It was quite a long form, you know, had about 10 fields on yeah. it. Like, oh, how are we going to get this out? Do you know how to get it out? Do you know how to get all those out? Because let me tell you the path I was going down. <laughs> I was going, oh, okay, can we export the history of each field? Oh, no, you can't. There's no easy export. Okay, so what are we going to, how are we going to split? Okay, well, I guess we'll have to get one of the teams going to have to individually go out and pull these all out. I know what I'll do because we can probably expose the API. I'll get the API key. I'll write a bit of code that just cycles through and pulls them all out. <laughs> can you see where I'm going? <laughs> anyway. I'm Tar- going to sleep, Craig. That's where I'm going. <laughs> Tara goes, oh, hang on. Why don't I just check the form? Oh, I can export out all the submissions on this form. <laughs> Here I was going down some ridiculous programming range. She goes, I know, just to export it from the form. Craig, what would you do with that, Tara? I don't know. Anyway, I exported it out to a CSV, I think it is, and then just imported it in in English context. So there's a gotcha, and there's also tip of the week. Thank you, Tara. Now, I do see one thing on here, Craig, in this list of options is to automatically create tickets based on a form submission. And I didn't see that before. But that looks like an option that's available there to you if you want that to happen, if it is a support form, I guess. All right. Now on to our market tip of the week, Craig. We're going to talk about Google My Business. I call this the Google My Business teardown. Let's go through it because I, I think there's massive opportunities. I, why I t- wanted to talk about this is when we talk to a lot of businesses that have physical locations especially, is it's a massive opportunity for them to utilize this free resource in getting in front of people. So one of the really interesting things is like we know Google My Business has evolved. And so I did a search and I thought, oh, what does Google now talk about Google My Business, right? And they said, it's your free business profile on Google that helps your business show up when it matters most. The moment customers are searching for your business or products or services on Google search and maps. And the whole idea was they said it helps drive customer engagement with local customers across Google search maps. 
So I want to share, they had some interesting stats, and I'm sure this is globally. They said there are 5 billion searches on Google for restaurants. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. 3 billion searches for hotels, 1 billion searches for clothing shops, which is really interesting given retail. 600 million searches for hair and beauty salons, and 5 million searches for coffee shops. Hang on. So 5 billion searches for restaurants, but yep. 5 million searches for coffee shops. Yes, and I would probably suspect that this is a, a, probably a global statistic, right? But that's orders of magnitude different. I would have thought coffee shops would have got far more. Correct. Now, that's what you would think, but obviously that's not the case currently. And it might be interesting that people might not actually go to the app to find coffee shops initially, right? Yeah, maybe they, they've so, got their fix all worked out. That's exactly yeah. right. So now I find that I do this when I'm in different places. I will actually pull up the app and I will, and there is an option there. It says, depending on time of day, coffee is one of the options that you can click on to find where, you, where the nearest and best coffee is. So I use it in that perspective, but on a daily basis, I don't use that generally to find coffee, right? More likely to do it for restaurants. So just understanding behavior is interesting. I reckon that's a typo. It could be. But if it's true, let's say that's correct, that's fascinating because it totally, the lesson here, just looking at that would be, well, that's totally not what I would expect. Ah, there's a lesson in here. And especially if you're a restaurant and you're not on Google My Business, game over. Okay. So, so that's one thing, right? And I think the next part that's been really interesting in this whole journey is Google giving people the ability to create their first website. This is how they say they'll help you create a beautiful website to engage new customers and establish your business online. And I've done this for people that are just starting out, don't have anything. Basically use the information that you put into your Google My Business page. Use that data and sucks it into a website, choose a theme and away you go. There is really no excuse for not having a website when you can create one on Google after having a Google My Business in literally like 10 minutes. So I encourage you to do that if you haven't. I've put some actions in terms of there's some community stuff there. But one thing that I've seen evolve through Google My Business is this thing, they've got a plan now. So when, the, when you first log in, it'll say complete your recommended tasks and reach your goals on Google, right? And I've put a screenshot there. It says, you know, visit your insights, view your business on maps and learn how people find your business on Google and then create posts. So this is becoming really quite interesting. One of the other things I found on here is often people ask me, how do I easily share for people to give, give me Google reviews? They've now added a section that says get more reviews and share your business profile and get more reviews. When you click the button, it'll give you an option to share it through WhatsApp was actually one of them. On Facebook, Twitter, you can copy the link and share it. So this will essentially, when people click on it, It'll open maps and then it'll throw up the review box straight for you. So you don't have to go search or do anything. It'll show it up straight away. Next thing I suggest you look at is your performance. So this tells you your views, searches and activity across search and across maps. And one thing you might be interested in knowing how many searches actually happen on maps, which surprised me the first time I saw this. Can I just check, do you know what activity is compared to views? Activity, yes, I do know what activity is. It is to do with people t- 
taking some sort of action, and I'll talk about that. It could be visit your website, request directions, call you, message you. Oh, okay, and that would explain because it's got 22,000 views in your screenshot but 51,000 activities. So they might view it but then do multiple things. They Correct. Might, yeah, they might just check location. They might c- click the call. Yeah, That's right. It. And really the whole idea at the insights is to show you how you can optimize your customer engagement for better results and how you can encourage more engagement by interacting with your customers on the platform. Now, one thing that's interesting is that uh, there's a messaging feature. So once you enable that, but you've got to do this in the app to enable that feature. It doesn't happen on the on your desktop login. It needs to be on an app. So download the Google My Business app and enable that feature from the app. I think it takes about an hour to process and get get into that, but it's a great feature to have. Customer actions is what people have done with the listing. So that's when we talked about, have they visited the site? Have they requested directions? Have they called you? Have they messaged you? One insight that was particularly interesting, which I was looking at, was direction requests on the map. And so you, I've got an interesting part here. You'll see it's got highlighted areas of a map with postcodes on it. I thought to myself, if you have a store, this is actually really insightful data and understanding. If I was to pay for some advertising and I know that a lot of people come from this particular postcode, I could use Google Ads to target those postcodes and give a higher bid value to people in those areas because I know they're going to come and visit my store and they're going to buy stuff. So I'd have a look at that because that could give you a lot of insight into what people are doing and how they're finding you. Yeah, that's an excellent overview. It's amazing just how comprehensive Google My Business is becoming. And as we say every time when we talk about Google My Business on the show, we can't believe it's still free. They're going to start charging for this soon, folks. So if you haven't got your Google My Business working well for you now, just get onto it. The window is surely closing. That's right. So now I want to also say they have things about calls. So one of the really good things, and I haven't put a screenshot in the show, but the number of calls based on date. And that's really fascinating, understanding what days of the week are busy for you. If they can track people walking into your store, you'll see popular times. And you'll probably see this live on maps when you search for people. It'll say, it'll tell them this is, it's getting busy now or this is a quiet period, time to go in. Another really good one was to do with photo views. And this was showing you what photos were on your profile that were being viewed compared with photos from other businesses like you. So this is really interesting because made me realize when I was talking to a customer of ours is that the number of photos you have versus people of similar businesses. Now, I I take this with a grain of salt because I was looking through in Google. It says, oh, other similar businesses are posting these kinds of posts and photos. I'm like, oh, that's not really related. So it's still obviously still working stuff out. But obviously this is important. People are looking at photos and they're doing stuff. And the other really interesting thing was photo quantity. So they said what you had, so the photos that you as a business had posted and customers had posted versus other businesses like you that had the number of photos that they had posted versus customer photos. And that was a really interesting stat to understand, oh, how are people interacting? Uh, Other businesses like me encouraging people to post more photos on on the listing. It's all about comparing yourself to others. That's oh right. <laughs> and getting, feeling inadequate. Getting inadequate that's and right. I remember when we were chatting about this the last uh, couple of weeks ago as well, we were saying, um, remember we we're talking about what the photos are of and if they have people in them. 
Yes, We're saying, correct. yeah, that tends to have a better response. And yeah, anyway, we can go back to it. Um, if you're interested in that discussion, uh, listeners, you can go back a few episodes where we talked about that in depth. Correct. And you know what? Like anything, they've got uh, what the percentage of your profile is that needs to be completed. So they're really looking for people to complete it. And I've even seen messages now when you log in, it says, look, if, if your business is affected by the virus, then make the necessary updates so people yeah. when they are searching for you know you know a not to come or b that you've got a special delivery service etc on so i think it's really smart like just getting because people i know like i have over holidays looked at li- listings gone to places like for dinner and then see a big sign on the door saying oh sorry we're closed for christmas i'm like i just traveled all this way to have some food and now I, I'm sitting in an empty restaurant, right? Anyway, so just to encourage you, be mindful of that, that. The people are using this to interact with your business, so keep it up to date. What's our inside of the week, Craig? All right, well, just quickly, because I know we're coming up to time. I think, uh, I thought this was just a little useful way to consider good marketing versus bad marketing. And it was prompted by an experience I had recently, which I won't actually talk about, but it occurred to me that good marketing is when you find the pain or find the problem someone's having and you provide the solution. So you've got a problem, here's our solution to that problem. That's good marketing. Bad marketing is you don't actually have a problem. We're going to create an artificial problem to make you anxious about it and then we're going to give you the solution to that artificial problem that we created. And so that's overly simplistic. But if you think about it, just be aware of this as as, market, as you walk around the street or watching shows on TV or just browsing the web, have a look at the marketing and just feel, get a feel for whether it's good marketing or, or bad marketing. Is it actually a solution to a problem that you really had or is it artificial? And look, in terms of artificial, there's so many examples. You know, it's just about every cosmetic ad, by the way, especially cheap cosmetics. Yes. There's so many stupid things that are created, most infomercials. Most supplements, for example, you know, you see the yeah, ads, oh, that's right. this, and it's like, yeah, medically, there's no basis for this, that kind of stuff. Um, have you been in the post office lately? You know, oh, you're waiting yes. in the queue in the post office, and they're just surrounded by all this junk. It's like, who came up with, like, some of the most stupid stuff? All that kind of stuff. It's just bad marketing. But when you have genuine problems being fixed by genuine products, high-quality products, that's good marketing. So, be good marketers in air quotes there good Correct. marketing don't ruin it for everybody all right throw you know back what? of the week Craig. sorry before we go you just remind me of something you know something i really like about tiktok at the moment yes marketers haven't ruined it yet <laughs> Correct. that's that's the thing i noticed about it yeah uh, it's kind of like instagram was 3 years ago yes. where it's like oh this is nice and then marketers came along and ruined it yeah tiktok's it it's not ruined yet it's only a matter of time before markers get on there and ruin everything. But yeah, anyway, just an aside. All right. Now, what was uh, HubSpot announcing 12 months ago, Craig? Interesting. Talking about social media, 12 months ago, they announced when you connected a social media account, it pulled in all the marketing stats, I think for the last 60 days or so. Correct. Prior to that, it would only show stats for stuff that you'd posted from HubSpot. But what they added a year ago, and now we just take it for granted, you add any account, it pulls in... Uh, There's uh, some great reporting data. There. Yeah, and it's great reports. Yeah, Correct. exactly. All right, quickly, our resource of the week, Craig. It's uh, HubSpot's Not Another State of Marketing Report. And we put a link for the download and you can check it out. And we will probably go through this in some future episodes. It looks rather interesting. All right, Craig, for our quote of the week. 
Well, a timely one, this, uh, because it comes from uh, Warren Buffett. And as we record this, the stock markets are tumbling and there's more panic setting in and things like that. Oil is going down. Keep you cool, folks. And here's the quote. And most of you will have heard this. I think it's always good. But Buffett's talking about how they love hamburgers in, in his house. But he says, when hamburgers go up in price, we weep. Uh, but when they go down, we uh, yell hallelujah. He said, for most people, it's the same with everything in life, except stocks. It's almost like when stocks go down you can't, and you can get more for your money, people don't like them anymore. So just a little words of wisdom from Warren. But what would he know? What would Warren know? What would he know? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I hope you enjoyed this show. We'd love if you could share this podcast with one person that you know. And... We would love if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Well, we hope you have a great week. And until next time, Craig. I'll see you on TikTok, Ian. Thanks, Elon. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.